Greetings, and thank you for joining us on this Tuesday edition of Face the Truth, coming to you from the Truth Church of Olathe, Kansas. As always, I count it a great honor to have you listening, and I trust that today's episode will be a blessing to everyone who tunes in. Believe it or not, I don't really have a long list of announcements for today. I just want to encourage everyone to tune in to tonight's midweek service. Uh, Remember to gather early for prayer. Minimize distractions as much as possible. Treat it as if you are in church, and I think you'll find that God will treat it the same way. I do want to say thank you to everyone who took the time to send me a personal response to yesterday's podcast. I think that was the highest number of direct responses I've received to date, and I certainly appreciate it. Just knowing that a particular thought ministered to you makes the effort I put into these daily messages worth it all. In our fifth week of doing these podcasts, as you can imagine, it's not easy to put together seven messages each week, which is what I'm doing when you consider five podcasts, a midweek service, and a Sunday morning service. Still, it is truly worth it to bring some strength, direction, and encouragement to the greatest group of saints on the face of the earth. One of the things that I've missed during our time of isolation is being able to do in-depth teaching. Those of you who have been a part of the Truth Church for any length of time know how much I love to teach. Since we have moved to online church, however, I have not felt led to go that direction seems that every service so far, I've either felt like bringing a message of encouragement to the saints or reaching for the hearts of sinners. Invariably, the comments and responses I've read or received have proven that it's been the right approach. Still, I long to take time to teach you all once again. Thankfully, the Bible did not list being a good preacher as one of the qualifications for a pastor. What it does list, twice in fact, is that a pastor must be apt to teach. As I've said often, preaching saves us, but teaching keeps us saved. As I was preparing for today's podcast, an idea came to me. Why not start using these podcasts as a way to do some teaching? I'm pretty sure the overwhelming majority of people who listen are already born again, And I know I've never felt direction from God to use the podcast as an outreach tool, at least not yet. That day may come uh, when we make that change. But for now, I have only felt impressed to speak to the people of God. Now, don't get nervous. I know I usually take a lot longer when I teach than when I preach. And I can assure you, I have no intention of extending the length of these podcasts beyond what we've already been doing. And here's what I'm feeling. I'd like to take several days and dedicate them to specific Bible questions that you, our listeners, might have. Twelve years ago, I did a series during our midweek services that I called Ask the Pastor. During that time, I took written questions from the congregation and dealt with as many as I could cover in one service. This series lasted for six weeks, and the feedback I got was very positive. It all seemed to go over very well. 
I'd like to do that same thing with Face the Truth, at least for now. I'm asking you to text, email, call, or message me on social media and send me your questions. They can be questions about a verse or a passage that you don't understand, or perhaps a Bible topic you'd like to know more about. Maybe you're just curious about something with regards to the church or living a Christian life or even the current situation in which we find ourselves. These can be questions for established saints or new converts. In fact, even though I said I'm not really gearing these podcasts for sinners, feel free to ask questions that might help you explain things to them or questions they might have asked you, but you didn't feel you had an adequate answer to give them. Furthermore, who knows but what some podcast might address issues of salvation and end up being something that gets shared with the right person at the right time. God is certainly able to see to that. Whatever your question, please don't feel like it's too simple or elementary, and you should definitely never feel like it's a dumb question. The fact is, if you're wondering about it, I can almost guarantee someone else is too. So, ask away. Now, when I realized this was the direction I was going to be taking, uh, I went ahead and asked a few of the leaders in the church to provide me with some questions, and I did receive a few questions. Um, I also have the list of questions from the Ask the Pastor series that I did back in 2008. And in order to get the ball rolling, I'm going to be incorporating some of the questions from that series and some of the questions uh, that have been submitted to me by our leaders. Those questions that came from 2008, let me just assure you that they are still relevant and would still be just as beneficial today as they were a dozen years ago. Now, to show you what I mean, I'm going to take one of those questions from that series first, and I want to address it now. The question is this, where should one start when reading the Bible? That's a great question, and I want to tell you as we look at um, the answer to this question, let me first of all stress to you that no scripture is unimportant. There is no passage that would mean little to us. Everything in the scripture is profitable for us. Paul told Timothy this very thing when he wrote in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. All scripture all Scripture is profitable. Now, even though that's true, we also need to understand that even the great Apostle Peter admitted there are some Scriptures that are, quote, hard to be understood. He said this in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 16, as also in all his epistles, speaking of them, Uh, speaking in them of things in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. 
So I can tell you if Peter found some scripture hard to be understood, we're going to find that same thing to be true in our own lives. With those two things in mind, let me say that where you begin reading the scripture really depends a lot on what you're trying to accomplish. For instance, if a new convert asks me this question, I'll generally tell them, start with the Gospels, start with the life of Jesus, begin reading in the book of Matthew, uh, or go to the book of Acts, or maybe I'll, I'll do a combination, start in Matthew and read through Acts. This, this gives you a great um, foundation for what's going on, what the gospel is about, how the church began. Uh, and then once you've read the gospels and acts, move on through the epistles. So that, that would be the advice that I would give to a new convert. But let's say that during a time like this, you really are just needing some encouragement. You're needing to be uplifted and, and you want to know where should I read in the Bible uh, for that strength and encouragement. Well, I would tell you, start reading the Psalms. In fact, it's interesting that there are 150 Psalms uh, in the book of Psalms, and, and generally 30 days to each month. And so if you would read on average five Psalms per day, you would read the book of Psalms in a month. And you'd be surprised at how much strength and encouragement you would receive during those 30 days. Um, if you're seeking direction or help with life's issues, then I would tell you, start in the book of Proverbs. Now here again, Proverbs has 31 chapters. So there's about 30 days to a month. Read one chapter of Proverbs each day. And again, you're going to be surprised at the wisdom and instruction that you can glean from that book. Now, if you want to read the entire Bible, which everyone should do, um, then start at the beginning. Start at the book of Genesis. And uh, as most of you know, I've developed a Bible reading chart that requires only 15 to 20 minutes per day for five days each week. And it allows you to finish the entire Bible in just one year. It gives you two days every week just as catch-up time, um, make-up time if you miss a few days. Uh, one of the problems with most Bible reading charts is that it's seven days a week, and that's great, and I would love for you to be reading your Bible seven days a week, but I know many people get discouraged because you miss a day here and a day there, and it just starts piling up, and before long, you think, what's the use? That's why I developed the Bible reading chart that I did. It gives you two days a week that you don't have to read. You can if you'd like, but you don't have to. So that if you do happen to fall behind, you can take those two days and use that to catch up your reading. So, so let me know if you'd like to have a copy of that Bible reading chart. Now, it is uh, dated January through December, but you can start at any time of the year and you'll finish it in 12 months. Now, for our second question, I want to go to um, one of these questions that was submitted to me um, actually just last night. And I think it's a good question. And I, I do believe, as you'll see in a few moments, it really is relevant, though it may not seem that way on the surface. The question is this. In the story of Jonah, 
the fish is referred to as a great fish. Matthew says it was a whale. Why are the scholars so adamant it was a great fish and not a whale? That's a great question. And so let me answer that question again by going to the scriptures. Jonah chapter 1 verse 17 says this, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Most of you know that when there are questions uh, about particular words in the Bible, that it's often helpful if we'll go back and look at the original language. We know that the Bible was not written in English. I think most of you know that. Uh, The Old Testament written in Hebrew and Aramaic and the New Testament written in Greek. And so many times we can go back to those original languages and get some insight into what was being said. Um, so let's do that now. Let's go back. Jonah 1.17 just simply calls this a great fish. So when I looked into the original Hebrew that was used here in this verse, there are two words that are translated great fish. The first one means great or large. And the second one means, and are you ready for this? The second one means fish. In other words, the King James gave us an accurate translation for what the Hebrew says. Uh, The Hebrew did not call it a whale. It simply said it was a great fish. And there was no other way to describe it or define it based on the Hebrew wording. It's just a great fish. Now, let's go to the New Testament. And here uh, we find in the book of Matthew, as was mentioned in the question, we actually find Jesus is the one who is making reference to this Old Testament story. Matthew chapter 12 and verse number 40. Matthew 12 verse 40. Jesus says, For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So in this instance, the King James Version identifies this great fish, specifically calling it a whale. Once again, we're going to look to the original language for guidance. The Greek word translated whale is katos. It's it's thought that katos is derived from another Greek word that may sound familiar to you. If you'll listen to this, the Greek word is chasma, chasma. That's the word from which we get our English word chasm, which is a gaping hole. And so the scholars believe that this word katos actually comes from chasma, uh, which is gaping. It's a gaping hole. Katos, then, uh, would mean a gaping fish or a huge fish that gapes for prey. Uh, It's got its mouth wide open as it takes in a lot of, of food. So according to Greek scholars, however, this word katos, while King James chose to um, translate it whale, 
the scholars say that this particular word, it can mean a whale because that certainly fits the description, but it also could be any large creature in the sea uh, with with a gaping mouth um, that could swallow things whole, Uh, even to the point, the scholars say, that it could describe in, in Greek fiction a sea monster. So there's no real definition to be found here in the Greek either. Now, the question asks specifically, why is it commentators or scholars um, shy away from the use of the term whale and rather choose to refer to it only as a great fish? Well, I think you can see part of that answer here, but let me go a little deeper into this. Um, One commentator that I read actually said he thinks that it's a large shark. Uh, He said he didn't know for sure what it was, but he had some reasons why he did not believe it was a whale. He believes the King James translators uh, chose the wrong term in that case, and he gives some reasons, and I think that most scholars would agree with the reasoning that he lays out. So listen to me for just a moment. Let me just explain this, and then I'm going to deal with it. But, but they, they give three reasons why they do not believe this was a whale. Reason number one is we know, now this was this particular commentator, reason number one was we know that there have been examples where sharks have indeed swallowed men whole. Uh, they've actually seen this kind of thing happen, cutting open sharks or whatever. So there is that piece of evidence. Number two, uh, it is said that a whale's throat is too small to swallow a man. There's no way a man could go down the throat of a whale. And reason number three is that we know where this story took place. We know where Jonah was at. We know where he was going. Uh, He was in the Mediterranean Sea. And they say that the Mediterranean Sea is not a place known for whales. Now, there's, there's a problem with the last two parts of this reasoning. Um, I agree that there are examples where sharks have swallowed men whole. I can agree with that. But let's take the other two, and I want to show you the problem with these two points, starting with the last one. Uh, point number three was that this story took place in the Mediterranean Sea and that whales are not known uh, to be found in the Mediterranean. Um, the fact of the matter is there was a first century historian. Uh, his name was Pliny the Elder, and he wrote specifically of orca whales, also known as killer whales, that were thriving in the Mediterranean. He talked about um, their their mating processes, their uh, calving that was going on uh, right there in the Mediterranean. And, And for centuries, historians have thought that Pliny was either making the story up or he was totally mistaken, that he saw something else and thought it was a whale. Um, But here's the interesting thing. Just two years ago, I'm talking about 2018, just two years ago, researchers published an article stating they had found bones from two different species of whales 
in ancient fishing towns on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. So what I'm telling you is there may not be whales in the Mediterranean now commonly, but evidently it was a common thing in the days of the Bible. Now, as for point two, that a whale's throat is too small to swallow a man, um, they are overlooking a very important statement that is found in the book of Jonah. Let's go back and read Jonah 1.17 again. All right, let's look at this. Jonah 1.17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. Did you catch that? The Lord prepared this great fish. That means God did something special to this particular creature that allowed it, that enabled it to do what God intended for it to do. Any other creature of its species may not have been able to swallow a man whole, but God had specifically prepared this one to do the job. Now, does that mean it was necessarily a whale? No, of course not. I don't know if it was a whale. I don't know what it was. It could have been a whale. It could have been any number of creatures. I'm just telling you that the Bible doesn't specifically state what it was. It only says it was a large, gaping fish and that the Lord had prepared that fish for the task at hand. That fish could do what other fishes could not do because God prepared it for that job. Now, in order to try to bring this thought to a close and this podcast to a close, let me just tell you that what God did for this great fish is actually his modus operandi. Anytime God calls anyone to do a task for him, I can assure you, he always prepares them in such a way that they are well equipped to handle whatever he wants them to do. Now, in case you haven't figured it out, I'm talking about you. It's not an accident that you were born in a time in which we as a church would go through the things we are facing today. It's not an accident that you are in the church during this crisis. No, my friend, look, long before we ever reached this place, God was already preparing you for such a time as this. He not only called you for this hour, he prepared you to be victorious in it. There is no need to worry or fear Unless, of course, you're like Jonah and you're trying to run from God's purpose. And can I say to you, if that's the case, would you please hurry up and get to Nineveh so the rest of us can get on with our lives? Um, of course, I'm, I'm kidding about that last part. But I am very serious when I say you not only can survive this situation, God has prepared you to thrive in it. I know 
because God always prepares those he chooses to use, and that includes you. Once again, thank you for joining us today. Please let me remind you we're here to help you in any way we can. If you need anything, please don't hesitate to contact us. I want to remind you we're encouraging everyone to send a prayer request with your personal needs to prayer at olathetruth.com. That's prayer at olathetruth.com. If you don't have a particular need yourself right now, send us the name of someone you want to see saved. Either way, we want to take your request to the throne of grace, believing that God is going to meet it. Also, if you've got a Bible question or any of the things that I discussed um, early on in this podcast, questions about Christian living, questions about um, the church, anything that, that you've got questions about that are Bible, Christian, church-related, send those to me. Get those messages to me. I want to dedicate the next several podcasts to dealing with your questions. I don't want this to just be a time of teaching in general, but I want to deal with the things you are wondering about. So get those questions to me, and we'll do our best to work them in to one of our upcoming podcasts. Until next time, take care and God bless.